0: This is the number one showbiz podcast. It's Talk for Two. Here's your host, Matt Bailey.
1: Thank you, Gary, and welcome everybody to another fantastic edition of Talk for Two. This gentleman... uh I grew up watching local syndicated television. I watched him in the Ice Age movies. He pops up everywhere. My guest today is the iconic, the legendary stand-up comedian and actor, Emmy winner Ray Romano. I am so thrilled. So, so thrilled to get to talk to him in advance of his shows in Las Vegas this weekend on April 22nd and 23rd. It is your only chance to see this genius actor, genius comedian at work. He tours with David Spade. I have not had a chance to see the show just yet, but I'm hoping to go see the show in December when I'm out there for the rodeo. This conversation, we talk a little bit about Vegas. We talk a little bit about... His current projects and how he broke out from being typecast as a sitcom actor to taking on these really beautiful, complex roles. We talk about vinyl and the Irishman from Martin Scorsese, and his recent project, Made for Love, an HBO Max original series where he plays a really unique character with just incredible sincerity and incredible heart. This was a fantastic interview with one of my personal heroes. I absolutely love his work. Love that he's been able to go from sitcom to drama to dramedy and everything in between. And again, if you want to see him live, the only chance to do that, the only time you can do that is when he plays the Mirage Theater in Las Vegas. And that is 422 and 423, 23 April 22nd, 23rd, and then again in December. But this interview is ahead of the shows this weekend at the Mirage Theater in Las Vegas. All right, here now to tell us why exactly uh, Everybody Loves Raymond reboot would not happen, our interview with Ray Romano. The iconic, legendary Ray Romano. Welcome to the show. How are you, sir?
0: I'm very good. Very good. thank you. Thanks for having
1: me. Well, it is a pleasure to have you. Uh, you will have hit uh, the Mirage theater I think three times this year for three runs, runs uh, back in February, now in April, and then in December. We're now uh, this coming weekend, as people are hearing this, uh, you'll be in Vegas. Uh, what is it what is it like to actually get out there for you in Vegas at that crowd?
0: What is it like? I mean, it's fun. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun for me. Yeah. yeah. How are
1: the Vegas? I meant, how are the Vegas crowds? Yeah, how 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 have they yeah, been they, for you no, this year?
0: They, the Vegas crowd is great. I, I I I actually say that in the beginning of my act. I kind of I kind of tell them that they're our favorite audience. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's like a you know it's a combination of uh, people from all over. And usually they're on vacation. There's some locals there, but for the most part, it, it's, it's a lot of people, you know, visiting Vegas. And they're on vacation. They're in a good mood. Um, it's a little late. It's 10 p.m., but they still have energy, believe it or not, which is, you know, for Vegas, <clears throat> it's funny because in a normal comedy club, you'd probably rather be at a Saturday night crowd than a Friday night crowd because the Friday night crowd has worked all day and whatever, and they're still good, but they're not as energetic as a Saturday crowd. <clears throat> but actually in Vegas, the, the Friday crowd is, is the better crowd because they haven't spent like 48 hours in Vegas, you know, because <laughs> uh, Saturday the Saturday 10 o'clock crowd – They've already spent 48 hours in Vegas, and we know how much energy you can deplete in 48 hours there. But they're, regardless, they're they're always good. They're always good.
1: I love it. Are you with David Spade this time, or are you flying solo?
0: No, no, Spade. I, I, I do it with Spade, yeah. I mean, that's. I haven't done a solo one in a long time, yeah. Ha- I used to do it with Kevin James, and then Kevin, he moved to Florida, and he just stopped coming in. And uh, now it's been me and David for a couple of years now.
1: How did that pairing come about? Was that your idea? Was that the Booker's at the Mirage? Because it's, it's it's genius. You both, I think, complement each other in, in great ways, your comedy.
0: Yeah, well, originally I was, uh, actually originally I was working with Brad Garrett. Mm-hmm. Um, it was me and him for a while. And then, you know, Brad has his own comedy club now in Vegas. He has a small, uh, uh, like a 200-seater in uh, the MGM. Um, so then I teamed up with Kevin James, who me and me and Kevin James are, are buddies. You know, we've been friends for a while. So we both liked doing stand-up, and so we, we did it for a while. And then, like I said, Kevin moved to Florida, and I wanted another co-headliner, and I did, really didn't know David. That I really had met him maybe once or twice. But I just asked my agent, I go, "Who do you think would pair well?" And she handled David's David also. So she said, "Let me ask David. and he was he was into it, and we did it, and it does it works good, you know he He's got a different energy. He's got a different style. Um, but but they both kind of the audience the audience that enjoys him enjoys me also. So you know sometimes you don't get that. Sometimes you got to be careful who you team up with, you know. Um, but it, it it tends to work out perfect.
1: When did you start performing after COVID and what was that like for you? When did you get back on stage?
0: Yeah, we did our first one in October. Oh wow uh, the first one in, in, in the Mirage we did in October and I believe it was like nineteen months since we had done the last one. Oh, um, so goodness. we we did one of the we we, we did one of the last ones before COVID shut everything down. I think we were in late February of 2020. Um, and then, you know, in March, everything shut down. And that was my last Vegas gig. And then, of course, nothing in 20. And then nothing in 21 until October. So it was about 19 months. And, and you know, when I'm not doing Vegas, David, David goes around. David tours a lot. I don't. The only stand-up I get to do is when I'm at Vegas uh, or when I'm performing at a charity I'm helping out and performing at a charity show or when I go to New York and I go visit my club you know the of the clubs where I started and I do spots which I just did uh, I just did this week I just got back from New York yesterday oh, very uh, cool. and I pop I pop into the comedy cellar so it was nineteen months of uh you know and we, it was like we had a I had to get the rust off, you know. Get, I, I had to get up in my in my room and stand in front of my mirror and and recite my act, <laughs> you know. Yeah, but it was fun. It was still fun, you know. It was fun coming back, and that was when they had people. The audience had to wear masks still, and now now it's maskless. And uh, even with the mask, there was a good crowd, though. You know.
1: Yeah, people want to laugh, especially during this time. They want to laugh and yeah. forget all about yeah. it.
0: Yeah, yeah, they're dying to get out, they're dying to have a night out, they're dying to release this energy, you know, this pent-up energy of being stuck in lockdown, you know.
1: was Now, I always swore that if I got you on the phone, I would ask you about this. This is a show I watched uh, recently, and it came out recently, but I'm not sure if you filmed it over COVID or before COVID. You have a really unique role in the HBO Max original, Made for Love. Did you film that during COVID, or was that... Uh, Pre-COVID project. Yeah,
0: we did, we, yeah, we did. We're still filming it. Oh, cool. Uh, but but it's but it was during COVID. We 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 were. Um, let's see, were we finishing the first season? No, no, we weren't. We were we were kind of like, I guess we only had about. Let's see, we had Did we do eight episodes the first season? I think, and we were like in our fifth or sixth when uh, COVID shut us down. And then we started again in um, late October, November. We started again in 2020. So the last, like, three or four episodes, you know, we had strict COVID uh, guidelines and everything. And now we just finished our second season. Oh, awesome. And the second season is going to debut next month in April, yeah.
1: Very cool. I love that quick turnaround. You can finish it, and they can, they can air it right away.
0: Yeah, we finished about February, maybe maybe the beginning of February. We just wrapped uh, the second season. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. What drew you to the role? It's such a unique character. <laughs> and what research did you do for a character who's in love with a sex doll?
0: <laughs> I I. I looked up my old bachelor parties. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It was, you know, I met with the, there was a showrunner, the guy who wrote the original script, Patrick Somerville, and I met with him, and, you know, it was such a bizarre guy to play who, you know, a lot of people uh, probably listening don't know the show um, my character is in a relationship, yes, with a what they call a synthetic partner. Mm-hmm. It's an adult sex doll, and it's not a blow-up doll. My wife keeps my wife gets me mad every time she says Did you have scenes with your blow-up doll. <laughs> I tell her it's not a blow-up doll. It's a ten thousand dollar lifelike person, almost person. Um, but it is, you know, it weighs yes. eighty pounds. By the way, wow, um, and. And the, the, the truth is, there's so much more to it than on the surface. It's, uh, you know, he's, he's a widower. He's lonely. He uh, is terminally ill. His, his daughter doesn't know that yet. And he doesn't want to start a relationship with a, another woman and put her through that. And he finds this companionship, odd companionship with this yeah this this synthetic woman and and it's it's real for him mm-hmm. you know it's not just sex even though there is that um it's you know she's his companion at dinner she's she's on the couch watching tv um and he's a lonely man uh, um and and the reason i took the show was that's such a a bizarre a uh, change for me to play someone as out there and that and dealing with that. And also the, the writing was really great. The, it, it's, it's also a high-tech thriller, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with the show, but the, the, the actual star of the show is the actress who plays my daughter, yeah. Kristen Milioti, and she's, she's crazy talented, you know. Um, if anybody knows the movie Palm Springs that, with Andy Sandberg that was just on, uh, last year. Uh, she was the co-star in that movie. Um, and she's running away from her high-tech billionaire husband, who has planted a chip in her head so he can see and hear everything she's doing, and he's tr- she's trying to get away from him. And she comes to me, I haven't seen her, I, I was a deadbeat dad, I haven't seen her in ten years, and now there's this rubber woman in my life also. <laughs> um, but uh, it's just... You know, the the writing had to be good, no matter how bizarre it is. If the writing's not there, then I'm still not going to consider doing it. And it was really well written. It's based on a book, uh, and the author is one of the the co-producers of the show. And uh, they just, you know, I read seven scripts before I agreed to it. They had seven scripts written. Wow. And um, it was just, yeah, it was too good
1: to turn down. <laughs> well, I love you in it. You have such a heart. I've seen every episode. I can't wait for season 2. Oh, good. And good. and not to fawn, but I I love your work as an actor because going from a, an incredibly well-crafted sitcom to now Martin Scorsese roles and I saw an interview just today where you talked about being in a mental a particular mental headspace after Raymond and worrying about typecasting and now you're doing all sorts of incredible dramatic comedy drama roles. I mean, sum that up for me and my listeners. Your career and the and the kinds of roles you're able to take as an actor.
0: Well, I mean, after Raymond um the that the worry was that I was going to be typecast and <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> and um and not be able to get roles where, where I step outside of the, the comedy genre. And, and for a while it was. For a while after Raymond, you know, you see somebody for nine years in a sitcom, that's how you know him. And I get that. I, I That's the same way I am. Um, you know, it's hard to see a character outside that. Um, so I knew, I realized... In the, after Raymond ended, these roles that I wanted, that were going to interest me, aren't going to be, be coming to me that easily. And so the first thing we did was we, we wrote our own show. Myself and one of the writers, Mike Royce, we created a show called Men of a Certain Age, yep. which which, which um, was a dramedy <clears throat> about men experiencing you know the, the whole middle age thing. And that lasted two seasons, and we, we got some great reviews, and we won the Peabody Award. And then we got canceled. Usually, when you win a Peabody Award, it means you're people think you're good, but nobody's watching you. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, we ended up getting canceled. But, but I at least I got out there, and 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 I people got to see me do something besides the sitcom character. And then I was still waiting for the next thing to happen. And you know, there were a couple scripts coming my way, but a lot of them were kind of broad comedies, which I didn't really want to get into, um, uh, and I was a fan of Parenthood, the show Parenthood, and it was after three seasons of Parenthood, I had, I was a little friendly with the guy who was running it, Jason Kadams, and I, (coughs) I called him up to congratulate him, (coughs) excuse me, after the third, third season finale, and, um, I told him, uh, Hey, you know, I'm un- this is when men of a certain age got canceled. And I said, by the way, I'm unemployed in case <laughs> uh, you're looking for stories, you know. And I was kind of half joking. And that, but he took me up on it. He goes, well, wait a minute. Are you serious? Uh, he goes, but I got to be honest. We can't afford you, you know. And I said, I told him, listen, I love the show. So if you're serious and you can write something for me uh, and you really want to, don't worry about the money. I'll, I'll, the money is not the object for me. Um, and we hung up then and I thought, eh, who knows? And about a week later, my agent called me and said, uh, Ray, did you tell Jason Kadams you would work for, uh, for hardly any money? And I said, yes, I did. And he was, he was not happy about that. Um, <clears throat> but that's what happened. They wrote, they wrote me a, a role and I was on the show for the next three years. And so that was another step where people got to see me do a little bit of dramatic work. But I've got to be honest, I'll tell you what the big, if if I'm, if I'm, I mean, I think I would have gotten some, and I did get good stuff. I got the big, I got the big sick, you know, I got, so, so little by little, I was stepping away from, from the sitcom uh, character and people were accepting me. But I think the big thing was that when I, when I auditioned for Scorsese, and this was for not for the Irishman, but was before that was the show. Uh, uh, vinyl, vinyl, right? Yeah, right. <clears throat> he was directing and producing vinyl, <clears throat> the pilot. I had to send a tape in, uh, you know, and I sent it. I had to audition on tape and send it in. So I did it in my house, you know. My buddy filmed me, and I did. It, I did two scenes, and we sent the tape in, and we we're waiting to hear from Scorsese. And what came back from Scorsese was. Um, he likes what he saw. He's, he has to make a decision. And he, he doesn't, he, he's never heard of you, but he likes what he saw. And, and my agent was like, well, what do you mean? he never, he never saw the show. And they said, no, not that he's never seen the show. He's never heard of him. And so, yes, which, you know, uh, anybody else, not anybody else, but you. You're not going to be offended that Martin Scorsese hasn't heard of you because Martin Scorsese is not watching sitcoms,
1: right? But um,
0: you know, but I've been around for five or six years after that too. But that worked in my favor because he watched my audition and he had no pre baggage of seeing me as the, the the sitcom character. So he just watched what he saw and he liked it, and he hired me, and that's how I got into his little. You know, he, he, once he kind of has you in his Rolodex, he tends to like to use the guys that, you know. Um, and so after Vinyl, you know, which I had to audition for, came The Irishman, which I didn't have to audition for. He just offered me the role, which scared the hell out of me because <laughs> now, well, the reason that scared me was in Vinyl, he saw on tape my interpretation of the character and he liked it. Right. So I said, okay, I know that he likes what I do. For the Irishman, it's a different character, and he's just giving me the role. So now what if I get on set and I and I suck? <laughs> you know, he, 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 he has no idea what I'm going to do with this role. So it was, it was quite nerve-wracking, but it turned out to be okay.
1: I love it. I love it. Real quick before we get back to Vegas, my one Raymond question, it's the question everybody's asking every former sitcom star ever, Revival reboot? Would you, would you be open to it?
0: Well, um, the revival, um, I don't know what that means. If a revival means get together with the cast that's remaining and you know go on a talk show and show clips and all that, something like that. Friends did. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. A, a remake? No, we would never. Me and uh, Phil Rosenthal who was the showrunner you know um, we both agreed we we, we never want to do that because first of all they never end up being as good and right. second of all the two major cast members are, are gone you know yeah. the, the mother and father are are no longer with us and and they were such a big part of the show and one of one of the kids is uh, sadly is gone also you know so it just it just wouldn't feel right doing it um, uh, but getting together and having a clip show or whatever, I think, uh, Phil Rosenthal has been trying to get that going, you know, trying to get that in work. And I would do that in a second. Yeah. I mean, I still see, I still talk to Patty. I don't see her as much, but I, I do see Brad Garrett a lot. We, we play poker together. We go out together. You know, um, we're all good friends and, uh, it'd be nice to get together. Well, oh, actually over zoom, we did a, for charity, we did a table read on zoom, Oh, during lockdown and uh, it was so much fun to sit, sit we did we read one a couple of our scripts you know on, on zoom live yeah. and uh it was fun to get back in there
1: yeah. that is so cool all right so las vegas april 22nd 23rd this weekend as you're hearing it last question for you what are you most yes. looking forward to this go around now that you're back in the groove you did it once before this year. What are you looking forward to for the spring run?
0: Well, I, hopefully I got a couple little new bits of material. It's always nice to, to sprinkle in some new stuff and hear a new audience laugh at that. And the weather's nice. I hope to get out there and, and golf horribly because <laughs> I, I, I love golf, but that doesn't mean I'm good at it. <clears throat> um, uh, and, and actually, I got this is this new this trip coming up, all my buddies from Queens have decided to make it their little road trip. So I got about five knuckleheads from Queens coming. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. That should be a, a, an interesting thing. I may have to have bail money with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's gonna be a fun time. And I will see you yeah. probably in December. I'll be out there for the rodeo, so I will be uh, seeing you in December. Ray Romano, this was such Great. a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you soon.
1: I cannot thank Ray enough, and for everybody who made this happen, this is fantastic. Go see him in Las Vegas, April 22nd, 23rd, the 10 p.m. show with David Spade. The comedy shows, the Aces of Comedy lineup at the Mirage is fantastic. They have top tier talent. And again, it's the only place where you can see Ray live in person these days. So make sure to check it out. That is it for us today. Remember, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Talk for Two. On Instagram, follow me directly at Talk for Two Pod. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We are there. Make sure to listen. Make sure to subscribe. Email me at talkfortwocast at gmail.com. That's T-A-L-K-F-O-R-T-W-O-C-A-S-T at gmail.com. And check out the mothership, talkfortwo.com. Signing off, I'm Matt Bailey, reminding everyone out there to keep talking for two.
0: You can hear more show business interviews with the stars at TalkForTwo.com.